Welcome to the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour with your host and founder, Alex Burr. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Running Hooks Basketball Power Hour. I'm your host, Alex Burr, and I just just a little transparency off the top because, um, you know, just I, I think I said coming into this that I was, had a little bit of a weird work schedule and I do. Um, I apologize for the intermittent posting. I'm trying my absolute best here, um, but I do want to um, just say, you know, last week, obviously, or the 25th was Christmas. I posted the Saturday before Christmas and and I'm recording this on the 4th. A week ago was my birthday. <laughs> so, you know, a little hard to work around that schedule. Plus, you know, having to work and all that. So um, I'm also um, going on vacation next week. I want to pump another episode out before I leave um, next week. I, I think it more so will affect the week of the, um, the 21st more so then next week or so next Thursday would be the um the 11th then so it would more so affect the week of the 18th because I'll be on a cruise I don't know how good of the internet will be but um so I don't think there'll be episode that week I'm gonna try to pump one out um there probably won't be any next talk <laughs> on the next show I'll probably just do two teams on that episode but I, I think we should just, um, I don't really think there's too big of news. Ricky Rubio announced his retirement today. I'll say that, um, you know, huge, huge career. Um, obviously not like, I don't, he'll probably be a hall of famer, but not for his NBA exploits. Um, good to great role player. I think beloved by a lot of fans. I don't think there's a lot of, um, animosity towards Ricky Rubio from anybody. Um, there's a funny clip going around um, social media from Jeff Teague's podcast, which is hilarious. And now is, I think is going to convert me into a full-time listener. Um, Jeff got mad at uh, <laughs> Ricky Rubio one time and just shoved him into the stands. And he used this as like a jumping off point into um, how racist Utah fans are, but I, I just thought it was funny that uh, that's the only time I've ever heard somebody say something bad about Ricky Rubio. Great defender, really could do everything but shoot. Kind of an old school point guard in a sense, and I think that Rubio, you know, there's a lot of teams that could actually use a guy like Ricky Rubio, funnily enough, in today's league, but he said, you know, um, in his statement that he released, that he'd had like they cited mental health reasons as the reason he wasn't coming back in July. Right. Like I think he knew and the Cavs knew he wasn't coming back to Cleveland. Um, and in his statement, he's like on July 30th, I had a, I'm not going to, these aren't his exact words, but he's like, I had an incident and he's like, I just knew I couldn't do it again. And I believe Woj said that if he does play, He'll probably play in Spain, but Rubio has been playing professional basketball for 20 years now, and I don't even think he's 35 yet. So 
the man deserves a break. <laughs> he deserves to take a, a year off, maybe two. Um, maybe he deserves to be done. I don't know what his interests are outside of basketball, but I just remember there was the one play. Or there was the one game, right? I think he was talking to Alexi Shved. And this was this was young Ricky Rubio. This was like year like early in his Wolves tenure. He's like, don't be sad, be happy. And I think that's, you know, that'll be sorely missed in the NBA. He was a great teammate. We obviously don't know, like, we can't tell a lot of the stuff just based on what teams give us, but it was abundantly clear based on what everyone had said, based on how the Cavs were driven to bring him back, right? The Cavs traded him to get Karis LeVert. And then who did they go and re-sign in free agency? Ricky Rubio. They valued his presence that as a teammate that much. And I think that says something. You know, the Wolves. I think the Wolves brought him back. <laughs> at one point. And. So that's a, um, a basketball legend right there. I, I would guess he makes the Hall of Fame because. Of his 2008 Olympics exploits, I will just go on the record and say I was 10 when that happened. I don't remember that much at all. Um, I was not paying attention to the Olympics or basketball that much. I remember, I believe that was the Usain Bolt slash Michael Phelps Olympics, if I remember correctly. Let me just look up Usain Bolt 2008, just to make sure I'm not. <laughs> I think I've talked out of my ass plenty here. Yes, okay, Usain Bolt did win heavily at the 2008 Olympics, and so did uh, Michael Phelps. I know that for a fact. Um, the point being, Ricky Rubio was one of the best players on the floor at 17 on a team, on a floor that had Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Pau Gasol, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, right? These are all some of the greatest players in the history of the NBA. And he was one of the best players out there. And obviously didn't live up to the hype in the NBA, had a lot of injuries. But Rubio um, just deserves a lot of credit and respect for how he's how his career's gone and I think you know I just want to tip my cap to him I know this is probably a lot longer than people that I've <laughs> spent talking about Ricky Rubio but I think a lot of players like this can get lost in the shovel when they retire and I think he had a heck of a career and also I'm glad I, I perused Shams Twitter page to see if I missed anything and I did because another guy another guy who pre people probably won't talk about a whole lot retired um, since I last recorded Goran Dragic, um, 15 year career. I wouldn't say he was ever great, but he was always good. Consistent scorer, made a difference everywhere he was. Um, he was awesome that one year, that one year in Phoenix where they were on the verge of the playoffs. Then he gets traded to Miami. Was probably their best player for. Was their best player until Jimmy got there. I would say. Him or Josh Richardson. And then. I mean, just a solid, solid player, solid scorer. You couldn't stop him going to his left. <laughs> he, that man was always going to get to his left hand. Just always a lethal pick and roll player. And again. He might. 
if it was the NBA Hall of Fame, he would not make the Hall of Fame. But based on his international accomplishments, Slovenia has no right to be as good as it is basketball-wise internationally. I think I'd have to look it up. Um, Slovenia Olympics history, Olympic basketball history. Because I'd be curious. I know it's probably been better since Luca's gotten on the scene. Um, so they finished in sixth place in 2020, which was, I think, probably Dragic's Dragic's last run. Um, but they've had a couple of great Euro baskets. There was the one year I think they won Euro basket before Luca was in the league, and I think that was like kind of Luca's coming out party. But Dragic was the dominant force behind that team. I mean, Dragic. Tragic kind of put Slovenia basketball on the map, and then Luca. I'm trying to think of like a comparison here. It'd be like. It'd be like having a player hit like 300 with like 15 home runs and then signing primary bonds, <laughs> right? Like, Dragic was a really good player. And then, like, the clear better player takes your place. But you shouldn't forget, you know, I. I, I I should say like 300, 315, 25 homers, you know, um, for 400 on base, you know, really, really solid player. And then you just sign someone who's clearly <laughs> superior in every way, shape or form. That's kind of what Dra- like Luca should be to what Dracic is in Slovenia. And. I think Dracic laid that foundation for what Slovenia basketball could and should be. And I think like that 2017 run, I'm pretty sure they they took down Spain and uh, they took down Spain and France. And they took down Spain pretty convincingly if I remember correctly. And Serbia, Europe basketball is pretty t- like European basketball. Those teams are pretty good. Like I'd say European basketball, the best teams in the world. I mean, just like based on like pure talent wise, it's I'd say the t- best eight. The USA, obviously, um, Serbia because of Jokic and Bogdan Bogdanovic. And they have, um, you know, a bunch of other great NBA players. Um, Canada should be up there. Spain, France, Brazil is usually really good. Brazil is probably the best South American team. I don't think it's really close. Argentina is always really good. But then who's that last team? Slovenia is a really small country. It has no business being this good. And again, it just goes to show <laughs> how much of a foundation that Dragic laid and what Luca is going to be carrying for that team going forward. And I mean, obviously one man, right, can't carry you. But just that incredible career for Goran Dragic, incredible career for Ricky Rubio. I spent way too long talking about these two guys, but I mean, they were the formative part of my NBA fandom. You know, these guys, I grew up watching these guys regularly. So I, I feel like I, in some way, paying me paying homage to them just is natural here. But, um, and the last thing I do want to touch on before I get to the um, Knicks is I, I have to point out the Pistons finally. Broke their NBA record-breaking losing streak. Um, the witch is dead. 
they beat the Toronto Raptors on December 30th. It, it was a long drawn out battle. I, I tuned into that game over watching an NFL game over watching uh, the Cowboys and Lions because I was like, you know, this we could see history made here. We could see a streak being broken. Now, have the Raptors lo- or have the Pistons lost their two games since that? Of course they did. Did they take the Jazz to overtime last night at least? I'm sure they did. But <laughs> at least they finally won a game. Now you might ask, why did they win that game? Well, now's a good time to transition to the New York Knicks. I won't even get another record yet because they made a trade. <laughs> and you might be asking, well, you're talking about all this news. Why are you waiting? Well, you know, if I'm going to talk Knicks, if I'm going to have a Knicks segment, why not wait till the Knicks segment to just talk about this trade? So the Knicks get OG Ananobi. They get Precious Achua. They get Malachi Flynn. They send out RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and the Pistons second round pick this year, which... If it's not 31 or 32, it will be the, the most shocking thing in the world. So you're getting basically a first round pick, <laughs> an extra first round pick. Um, Emmanuel quickly, RJ Barrett for OG. That's basically what the trade is. Plus, you get an extra backup center. Let's start with the Knicks side of this, because obviously that's the side I'm going to have to care about the most, even though they traded away my favorite player. If you... I'm glad I gave a soliloquy about Emmanuel quickly because I don't really have to do that again. Um, I watched both the Knicks games since they traded for OG. I watched the game on Monday against the Timberwolves. I watched the game last night against the Bulls. I watched the game against the Timberwolves a little more closely because I was making myself dinner <laughs> during the second half of that Bulls game. Um, the floor is just incredibly more spaced with OG. This is just the offensive side. Defensively, everyone at this point knows what OG and Obi brings. That's like his whole thing, right? Like, it's like, okay, this guy's probably the best three defender in basketball. Not like three point defender, like the best small forward defender. Um, I think that this is a monumental move for the Knicks. And yeah, it kind of sucks that you had to give up quickly to get this but you had a surplus in the backcourt like you had too many you couldn't play all these guys you had in the backcourt and i was saying if you've been listening to me on this pod for weeks you knew like i thought they had way too many guys they couldn't play all these guys so you have this surplus right now you get rid of that surplus and you add a little bit of front court depth <laughs> now they need more front court depth because um i don't know how many minutes og played last night i haven't looked yet I know he played 39 and he fouled out with like five minutes left in the fourth quarter on Monday. Um, let's see. So minutes, minutes for OG and Anobi. Oh, only a shocking 34. How many? Only two fouls. Wow. So, okay. So he split the minutes up. What's nice is that Josh Hart nominally plays OG's position, even though he is definitely guard sized. So, but I saw someone say that OG could definitely be Tibbs's Luol Dang replacement. Because, God, no, Tibbs loved no one more than Luol Deng. Like, and really, now that someone said it, it just, everything lines up perfectly in my head. OG kind of just is Luol Deng. Like, the same kind of efficiency from the mid-range. I think OG's probably a better shooter. I'll say that. But the defense is on the same level, probably. Luol, people forget how awesome of a defender Luol was. And then, 
you know, <laughs> I think they have the same level of basketball IQ. It's really kind of a perfect comparison. <laughs> and of course, they both end up playing for Tibbs. Now, let's hope that the minutes um, stagnate, right? Let's hope that as the season goes on, that these guys aren't playing. Last night, just looking at the minutes, 39 for Randall, 38 for Brunson, 36 for Hartenstein. I love Hartenstein. And Hartenstein played great last night, by the way. 10 points, 20 rebounds, 5 blocks. Um, 7 of those rebounds offensive, by the way. And Hartenstein had some great blocks against Gobert um, on Monday. You might have seen those circulating around social media. I, I think one of, these, one of the things this deal is going to do for Hartenstein, I think Hartenstein actually might be the biggest winner of this trade. Because I, I think I said on the last pod, like one of the Knicks announcers is like, he can't make any mistakes. Now he can. Now he can play like without fear. Now he can play. Okay. I can get a couple fouls. And what that does for him is like, now he plays without fear and he's actually not picking up fouls. He only had two fouls compared to five blocks last night. That's a pretty freaking good ratio. And <laughs> When you're playing the chief layup mister in chief and Andre Drummond, shout out to five of twelve for a center. Um, <laughs> that's gonna you know probably help your case there, but I think that this move helps a lot of players. Like Randall just has so much more room to operate. Brunson has so much more room to operate. There was one play. I don't even think he had go bear switch on. I remember who was guarding him in the Timberwolves game, but he. Brunson loves to dribble back out to the three-point line, right? He dribbled back out to the three-point line. In the past, someone would be there to help. This time, no one was there. Everyone was sticking to their man because you had to guard Dante, you had to guard OG, you had to guard Randall, and you obviously have to guard the man in the paint. (laughs) So Brunson was just like, wait, what am I doing with all this space? And it was beautiful to see. And I think Randall, I, I know I keep saying they might actually be the biggest winner of this trade. I think Barrett was bad for Randall. I think some people were saying it might have been the other way around. No, I think everyone knows I was a huge RJ Barrett fan. And while I think a fresh start will be good for him, and I think we can kind of transition to the Raptors, I think this will be a good jumping off point for that. Um, I think Randall and Barrett's games were too similar. I think there's their jump shooting caliber I think Randall's a better shooter, but I don't think Randall's a great shooter. So you are going to be inclined to just play off of RJ. You can't leave OG and Anobi open. You just can't. And the space that RJ's defender <laughs> or the lack of RJ now, like the floor is just so much more free for Julius Randall to do his thing. It's so much more free for Jalen Brunson to do his thing. It was just like watching a different team. It was night and day. And again, I love RJ. Love, love, love his game. But it's like, he can't shoot. Doesn't pass. He's the third option. What is he bringing for you? I think this move makes a ton of sense. Um, If you're envisioning it kind of like the Bucks, now obviously, <laughs> Randall is no Giannis and Jalen Brunson is no Dame. Although you can make the case. Brunson may be better. No, I'm, I'm not going to say that. Um... I'm just biased because I watch the Knicks all the time. So, Brunson filling the Dame role. Randall filling the Giannis role. OG filling that Middleton role? 
you know, like catch and shoot a lot of the time, create off the dribble some of the time, just timely cuts. You know, I can see the vision here. Can you? You know, and you have Dante G. The role players are definitely better here than in Milwaukee. You know, Dante DiVincenzo, the Bucks would kill to have. They would kill to have Josh Hart. They'd kill to have Quentin Grimes. Um, Precious Achua, even. So, and I think another thing this trade will do, because let's, I'm, <laughs> we can be honest with each other here, you and me. Malachi Flynn, if he didn't get burned in Toronto, he is not going to play <laughs> for this team when Miles McBride has shown really good flashes and Malachi Flynn has been given every chance. He just isn't. And he had really every opportunity to succeed. He just did. And I, I think that's why for the Raptors side of this, I'm really excited about the quickly piece of it because quickly, I think quickly is a starter. Now, do I think he's going to put up 20 points a game? No, but I think he can get you 15. And I think next to Scotty Barnes, I think next to Scotty Barnes, he can be, um, he can be a real threat. And I think that watching that guy, watching his growth just in this season, that guy next to Scotty Barnes is going to be a real problem. And I think RJ, I think this is going to be a real make or break time for him because he still has three years left on his contract. But the real implication here is that, and no one's going to say it. Like if you ask Masai, Masai's not going to be like, oh yeah, we just did it to match salaries. But that's the implication because it seems like the real catches of this deal were quickly and the second round pick on the Pistons. It's not like, oh, we wanted RJ. <laughs> He's had a couple nice games so far, but RJ will have nice games sometimes. Maybe if they trade Siakam, I think. <laughs> it's funny because the Raptors didn't have a good shooting team before, and now they traded for a worse shooter. <laughs> they have a better shooter at the one, but now they have a by far worse shooter at the three, which I'd argue you need a better shooter at than the one. Um, so I think the move would be to trade Siakam for a guy who can actually, who is a better shooter, right? Or maybe someone who can space the floor, but it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what transpires for that trade, by the way, um, as an aside, because I'm interested in these things. The race for the to avoid the play in is much more interesting than the race for the nine through ten spots, nine and ten spots, which is what the Raptors are embroiled in. So you have the heat at 20 and 14 and the four seed, the Pacers at 19 and 14 at the five seed. Orlando and Cleveland are 19 and 15. They're six and seven, respectively. And then or the Knicks are also 19 and 15 at the eight seed. And then then it falls off a cliff. The Nets are 15 and 20 at the nine seed. The Hawks are 14 and 19 at the 10 seed. The Bulls are 15 and 21 at the 11 seed. The Bulls actually were at the 10 seed last night. <laughs> and the Knicks lost. 
um, the Knicks win, excuse me, bumped them out of the 10. And then the Raptors are 12. <laughs> so, at 14 and 20. It's, I think the Raptors should blow it up because there's not much room, right? I mean, just looking at this, Memphis is surely trying to get better, right? Memphis is going to pass them. So they're going to have the six best lottery odds. And Utah is trying to be good. So you're going to be fighting. And also, your pick is top six protected this year. Um, It seems to me your best interest is to have your pick this year. I don't I Maybe I'm, I'm silly. But especially in a year... <laughs> where your main deficiency seems to be lack of talent in any event um i'm gonna be real interested to monitor the next couple weeks of Knicks games and see how they adjust with og i mean there's not really much of an adjustment you know just throw them in the corner it's gonna the real adjustment is gonna be without quickly because he was such an important part of their bench offense but that's gonna be they still have 48 salary to trade and they still have a bunch of picks. They might be worthless picks, but you throw two of them in a trade, you can get a Jordan Clarkson. You can get a, you know, I don't know, somebody. Like, you can just get somebody who's, I wouldn't, I'd rather have quickly than Jordan Clarkson, but that's me personally watching more Knicks games than Jazz games. I'd take Jordan Clarkson on this Knicks team. I think he'd be a good fit. If that's what something you feel you need, go get Jordan Clarkson. You know, if you feel you need like a scoring guard like that, there's a ton of them around the league. Go get one. You know, go get Malcolm Brogdon. Go get, you know, whatever. There's a ton for the picking. <laughs> and just don't let this opportunity fall by the wayside. That's all. That's all I'd request as a as a lifelong Knicks fan. Before I forget, let's go ahead and go to the wheel. Um be curious to see who I get because it'll be interesting to see. I'm hoping I get some Western Conference teams. I've not gotten much this year, I feel. Um, sure enough, the Houston Rockets. My first spin. Okay, I like that. Like that. Let's go ahead and take them off the wheel. Rockets, Rockets. There we go. Okay, and then another, maybe another Western team just to balance the scales a little bit. I feel like I've been East heavy this show. The Suns. Okay, this time I should have done the Suns a while ago. This will be a perfect like shotgun week, <laughs> so to speak. Um, so Suns and Rockets for the next show. Um, and again, another transparency thing here. I think I'm not going to circle back around. I'm going to try to watch as much as I can, but just we're already in January. And based on the like way this show used to work, I think we'd already have got would have gone through the league by now. I still have one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I still have like twelve teams left, so I'll probably just make it one team through the rest of the year. I mean, you know, if someone has something they want me to talk about, please um, at Alex Burford on Twitter, or if they have some complaints, you know, at Caleb Lynn one on Twitter, because um, he's the reason why all the things on the show are going bad. <laughs> just kidding, Caleb, love you. Um, but in all seriousness, you know, I think that's just the way it's going to work out, but. I'll be curious. It'll be interesting to monitor the points. I get these teams in the season and then comparing them in the playoffs. I think that'll be something to monitor. Um, but 
on that note, let's go ahead and move to the Memphis Grizzlies. And I think it'll just be instructive here. They're six and four since Jack came back, eleven and twenty-three. Um, good for thirteenth in the West. And I, I'm not going to read off their whole schedule because I think that number is just the more important one. Six and four since Jack came back. And or, sorry, are they four and four, four and four since Jack came back, right? Seven and nineteen. No, five and four, five and four. Um, he didn't play in all the games, <laughs> but my math's not good here. You'll have to forgive me. I'm doing math on the fly. Five and four, because I was like, that's not ten games. Um, in any event, Ja in his eight games is averaging twenty five point six points per game, eight point three assists, five point four rebounds. Um, and he looks really good. He looks like a superstar again. Marcus Smart, um, is not shooting the ball well. <laughs> but his defense has looked pretty good. Um, Desmond Bain might be taking that step. I think Jared Jackson Jr., safe to say, has taken a step back on defense, but has taken a step forward on offense. And after that, the I'd say think it's safe to say the big man injuries have wrecked this team. I if you want to be real about why this team has fallen off the cliff, I don't think it's so much Jaws injury. Like why this team is eleven and twenty three, I don't think it's so much Jaw's injury because they were able to sustain last year without Jaw. Jaw missed twenty five games last year. They were able to sustain without Jaw this year. Last year, what's the difference? I think there's two differences. Well, first of all, Marcus Smart also missed. Marcus Smart's missed seventeen games as well. Um. So really, their two constants have been Bain and Jackson. Bain's missed one game, but Jackson's played all the games. Um. Other than that, none of the the only other guy who's played in most the majority of the games has been David Roddy <laughs> and Zaire Williams. And Zaire Williams had a great rookie year, or not great, but he was good his rookie year. Right, I think I had him second team all rookie, maybe the last spot or maybe the first snub. But he was not good last year, and it's not like Scotty Barnes. <laughs> He didn't come back with a vengeance this year. He's kind of floating. You don't really notice um, Zaire Williams when he's out there, which is kind of a problem, especially since he was the 10th pick in the draft. And then some of the names picked after him, um, Moses Moody, uh, just off the top of my head, Moses Moody, Chris Duarte. Chris Duarte would have been great on this team. Um, Obviously, Sangoon. (laughs) Um... I mean, the guy that the Pelicans picked with their pick, with the Grizzlies pick, Trey Murphy. You think they could have used him? I There is a lot of mismanagement decisions, right, that led us to this point. <laughs> Including but not limited to the fact that if Steven Adams gets hurt and misses the whole season, right? And if Brandon Clark is such a huge factor to your team, right? And Brandon Clark's not the greatest regular season player. Brandon Clark's, I think, one of the 75 most valuable playoff players in the league. Just based on what he can do switchability-wise and whatnot. Um, But Bismack Biombo is playing 24 minutes a game. He's played 27 games. 
it was signed off the scrap heap with the disabled player exception it on November 3rd and has basically been playing the majority of the games ever since. Last night was the first um game he missed all season. Okay. So you have that. <laughs> um and I like Bismack Biombo, but he's not a starter. He, at this point in his career. I mean you could argue he never was a starter, but especially at this point in his career, relying on that guy to be your starter. It's probably fool's goal. Um Luke Kennard has not been healthy. It's another thing. I think he just came back recently um, from a prolonged absence. And again, I, I don't know if I, I, I sure I mentioned it, but they're missing Tyus Jones too. Like Tyus Jones really held down the ship while um, Ja was gone last year. Like he was amazing. For the Grizzlies. And I don't think that they ever fully replace him. I apologize if you guys heard that horn. That was pretty that's pretty loud. Um I don't know if that's like a fire truck or something. Um They never fully replaced him. I think they thought Smart was gonna be that guy. You know, to be the steadying hand while Ja was gone. But I don't think he is that guy anyway. And I mean so I'm going to pull up the record while he was healthy. So loss, loss, loss. So they started the season 0-7, 0-8, 0-6. And then they won a game in Portland, so th- which they should win. Then they lost two more. So they started the season 1-8. and eight, And they never really recovered from that. And I mean, obviously, we're still only in January, right? We've seen crazier turnarounds than from 7-19. But the Jazz, against all odds, the Jazz were looking absolutely dreadful there for a second. Now the Jazz are 16 and 19. The Grizzlies, well, they were gaining ground on them. Now they're losing ground. I think at one point, like during their, um, when Ja initially came back, they were like only three games out of the, um, they were only three games out of the 12 now, or like two or three games out. Now they're four and a half. <laughs> And it goes to show how quickly things change. Um, obviously, the standings are changing all the time, right? But if you're going to try to make the play and you're going to have to jump three teams, you're going to have to jump the Jazz, the Warriors, and the Lakers. That's obviously right now. Things could possibly change. And you, you're the Grizzlies, right? You won 57 games a couple of years ago. You won 52 last year. You could talk yourself into this. But, and I, I think what they have going for them, right, is that Jenkins is a good regular season coach. Always has been, always will be. You know, like watching that game against the Pelicans, the like the first game back, it was remarkable to me just like watching him take Zion's angles away, right? <laughs> like Zion has his little angles he likes to use to get to the basket. Oh, boof, those are gone. And that's just like one of those little subtle things, but he doesn't have the built-in rebounding edge that the team used to have, right? That, that, that's what Steven Adams brought, and they haven't been able to replace that yet. And I think this team can't be, if they're truly aiming, right, to make the play-in, they can't be 
complacent going into the deadline. And they, especially if Jaws playing this way, right? He's come back with a purpose. He can't buy outside Bucket yet. I think he hasn't got his legs. You know, everyone has that little phase at the beginning of the season where they can't buy a bucket from outside. And his beginning of the season just happened to be in the middle of December. (laughs) So you have that, but you also just see like everything slides into place when Jaws there, you know, that bucket where he, the first game back and he came back, he got the game winner, right? Just was a beautiful, (laughs) just like, he charged into the paint. The Pelicans knew exactly what he was going to do. And Josh's such a great player. It didn't matter. And that's the kind of thing that you can't game plan for. You can't, you can't bother to try and stop. But at the same time, if this is his supporting cast, right? If Bismack Biyombo is his starting center. If Santi Aldama, who's well, a stiff breeze could blow over. You know, if... David Roddy can't buy a bucket to save his life. What are we doing out here? You know, I thought everyone was saying Jake LaRavia was such a good pick. It really hasn't worked out um, at the time. And I think this team hit on a few draft picks. And everyone's like, oh, you know, this team is really smart. But then the law of averages played out. (laughs) And... Anyone who follows the draft knows you can only be good for so long. You can only hit on your draft picks for so long. And eventually their time was due to come. You know, they hit on Desmond Bain at the 30th pick. They hit on, I mean, I don't even know who else they really hit on outside of that. Like that wasn't, Ja and Jaren were two obvious picks (laughs) in the top five. I mean, everyone knew you didn't take Zion one, you were going to take, um, Everyone knew you take Zion one, then Ja two. And then I think the Jaren one was maybe a little more controversial because Trey, right? But other than that, it was. They haven't really nailed a whole lot and they haven't hit a whole lot in free agency either. Um, A lot of these dudes can play, but I think they're worse than we thought initially. Right, I think they, a lot of them suffer from Pat Connaughton syndrome. What do I mean when I say Pat Connaughton syndrome? I mean, they looked good for a little bit, but then you take off the mask. It's like a Scooby-Doo villain, <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, you're actually just Pat Connaughton. You know, you're not like this awesome role player. You know, you just were really good for a couple months there, but then you showed yourself to be, you know, John Conchar. <laughs> John Conchar had a moment for a, like a month there at one time. And now he's, you know, John Conchar again. I, I don't think this team has much of a much in the way of a direction. I don't trust. I don't know what they're doing. And I think this team. (laughs) Needs to fight, right? And. Four and a half games. Might not seem like a whole lot, but when everyone's bunched together the way they are, you know, and everyone's fighting for that 10 spot, and you have 13 teams fighting for 10 spots, that's a lot. And you seeded a lot of ground 
in the beginning portion of the season. And I think I'm not going to rule them out because I'm not going to rule out John Morant. I'm not going to rule out Jaron Jackson Jr. I'm not going to rule out Desmond Bain. I'm not going to rule out Marcus Smart. They have a, their four is as good as any four in the, re- the West. The problem is just the rest of those guys. But now let's move on to a team that has um, the title aspirations that the Grizzlies once had, probably should have. The Philadelphia 76ers, um, 23-10, and 10, good for third in the Eastern Conference. Um, and folks, this looks like a completely different team, despite bringing back most of the cast of characters. Um, since I recorded last, they are, I mean, let's just do the math here. So two, one, they are five and two, basically. <laughs> and they, um, have not played a ton of games. So it was a little hard to pinpoint, you know, what was up with them. Plus Joel also missed a good amount of time. Um, that being said, I still, I still gleaned a good amount from them. I watched just a couple older games from them. Um, and my takeaway is this, don't trade Tobias Harris. <laughs> it might be a weird thing to lead with, so I'm not going to actually lead with that. I don't know if you guys remember from last year, my initial take on the, on the Sixers. It was, okay, this team as constructed could be the 2011 Mavs. And... I obviously that crashed and burned in my face <laughs> because they um they crashed and burned in the playoffs. But this team might be a better a better fit for that descriptor now. I'm not gonna back off of this, by the way. Um Embiid is just playing phenomenally, right? 35 points a game, 54% from the field, only 35% from three, but he's only taking 3.3 a game. So we're doing something right here. That means of his 21.7 field goal attempts a game, he's taking almost 19 inside the arc. That's a pretty good number. And then 11.6 free throws, making 10.3 of them a game. 88.7% from the line. He is just dominating in an unprecedented fashion. 6.2 assists a game. Obviously, you know, big rebound numbers, 12 rebounds a game, two blocks. Um, Just in... The defense, I think the defense is all the way back. I thought it was a little bit back last year. I think the defense is all the way back. I think he's having an unimpeachable season this year. I think if he plays enough games, I don't think... I know we've been doing repeat MVPs for the last few years now. (laughs) But he's better this year than he was last year. I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be MVP again. I mean, obviously we're only 30 however many games in the season. But I I just don't see why this guy isn't the MVP. He's just in amazing, incredible, whatever word you want to use to describe him. Just the mid-range, automatic, um, makes his teammates better. And I they are not this successful without him, first and foremost. Just the work he does around the elbow, you can double team him, it doesn't matter. I watched him score over countless double teams, including getting double teamed by Rudy Gobert. (laughs) He would just step back, step back, step to the left, step to the right, drive. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if you bring two. He's still going to score. It's incredible. How do you stop that? How? It's not possible. But I think a lot of his success is derived from the fact that Tyrese Maxey has evolved into a true number two. 
And I have to give credit to my guy, Caleb Lynn for this. Um, because he was on the maxi train from day one and we would, you, we used to have debates, Caleb and I, and I'd be like, listen, you gotta trade maxi. You know, Simmons is the guy there. And he'd be like, no, you can't trade maxi. You gotta trade Simmons. Be like, are you out of your mind? And he's like, no, I'm not. Maxi's the guy. And I got to tip my cap to him because he hit the nail on the head with that because Maxi, <laughs> right now we're at 26 points a game, six assists, um, 46% from the field, 38% from three on eight attempts a game, getting to the line six times a game. And he's a true three level scorer at this point. You can't leave him open from three. He's going to get he's going to blow by you if you play him too close at the three point line. How do you stop him? (laughs) And obviously the pick and roll is going to be deadly, right? He's going to find people out of the pick and roll. And just he's kind of blossomed into a true point guard, which is crazy because I never thought he was going to be that coming in. I thought he was always going to be the undersized, too. But now you've kind of answered two questions in one. Who's the second option and who's going to be our point guard? Because you think about it, there's no like true point guard on this roster. You got Patrick Beverly, <laughs> which, <laughs> you know, you got, I mean, Pat Bev's good, don't get me wrong, but not like, oh, I want this guy running my offense. DeAnthony Melton's never, never has been, never will be a one. Um, and then you have Jaden Springer, who's been playing this year, and he's not playing a ton. So you, that's really it. You don't have a ton of point guard depth on this roster. And I think Maxi has really answered the call. Um, and I think that's what this team needs because now this team is kind of the opposite of last year where I feel like it was really guard heavy, but really light on the front court depth. Now you have Tobias Harris, Kelly Oubre, <laughs> Nick Batu, Marcus Morris, Robert Covington, Paul Reed. That's just like, Five guys. You still have KJ Martin, Daniel House. Um, there's just so many guys that could play on this team, and I think this team just throws can throw bodies and bodies and bodies at you. I was watching the um, Raptors Sixers game from a couple weeks ago, and Covington's on the like older side now, right? Like I wouldn't trust him to be the anchor like he was in Houston, right? And that was probably the last time he was like at his true best when he was in Houston. But he just shows you why he's still like valuable player, even at his age. He just Siakam was just trying to dribble past him (laughs) one time. And Siakam just or like there was like four or five times where the ball would just end up near half court because Covington's just like, why are you trying to dribble past me, bro? And the ball would just end up at half court because Covington just would strip it from him every time. And Siakam's not a bad ball handler, but Covington's just an elite um, pickpocket, I guess we'll call it. Thief, thief, pickpocket, whatever um, stealing term you want to use here. And I think that addition, the Batum addition, is obviously huge. I don't think Batum's played for a while. I didn't see him in any of the games I watched. Let's see, Batum. Oh, he's back now, but Batum, I, I had seen some Sixers game before, and obviously... You don't need me to tell you what Batum's bringing to this team. 49.1% from three. Solid defense. Um, swings the ball. Yeah, just is going to play solid. You don't need me to tell you what Nick Batum is going to bring. 
Daryl has kind of molded this team in his image. And it's kind of been a blessing. And I, I think, you know, Daryl took over the team in 2021, right? In the 2021 season, it's like, oh, you know, what are you going to do here? You know, you're inheriting the Simmons mess. You're inheriting whatever. And now this team, like Maxi blossomed into a full blown star. Tobias Harris has become a legitimately valuable 3 and D role player. I, Harris's three point percentage is low, but he does so many great things for them. It's like he's the trade piece. But at the same time, I don't know if I'd trade him. I really don't. Kelly Oubre. One of the signings of the offseason, like one of the minimum signings of the offseason. I don't really know how much better you can get you, how much better production you can get for the minimum. And you can ask Caleb, I was like, why aren't teams signing this guy? Why hasn't this guy signed a contract? He's a good player. He was good in Charlotte. I know he was in good in Golden State, but Golden State system is not for everybody. And it was not for Kelly Oubre Jr. That player does not succeed in Golden State system, but he can succeed elsewhere. And we're seeing it. We're seeing it. And you know what? I, I have to say, I have to eat it on Nick Nurse. I really do. Um, Nick Nurse just is proving why he deserved all the hype he got after 2019 and is proving why maybe, um, you know how like there's always like who is better <laughs> between Brady and uh, Belichick? Maybe he's the Brady of the Maasai <laughs> nurse um, comparison there because he I'm trying to find the right way to say this. He is a great coach and we're just seeing it now that he has actual real talent. You know, obviously you can't win without talent as a coach, right? And we were wondering, like, why is why are all these guys playing so many minutes? But we're seeing in Philadelphia Embiid's playing 34 minutes, which is pretty fair for Embiid. Like, I, I, I'm I, okay with that. Harris is playing 34 minutes. I'm okay with that. Maxie's playing 37, which is a lot, but he's 23, and they don't really have any guards I'd want playing over him. So I'm okay with that. Ubre 26. Melton, 29. I'm, again, I'm okay with that. Like, that's a guy I want playing. Another, I've said it, I'll say it every time, another classic Daryl move. Um, Batum, 24 and a half minutes. Love that. Morris, 15. I think that's good for him. Um, Paul Reed, 15. <laughs> Lines up. <laughs> when Embiid's playing uh, 34, um, personally. Beverly, 17 minutes a game. Covington, 16. All that adds up. Like, every, like I think the rotation is honestly perfect. And this team makes sense. And everyone's saying they should need to add, like, a third star. Are we sure? Are we sure? Maybe they... I don't know what they need. Maybe they need to add, like, a third score to, like, alleviate a little bit off of Maxi and Embiid. But... They get a lot of scoring punch from a lot of places, right? I, maybe you'd be concerned about Ubre's ability to stay on the court in the playoffs. Maybe you'd be concerned, you know, that Marcus Morris is going to come in and take 15 shots, which is a completely valid concern. Maybe you'd be concerned, you know... Backup center is going to fail you, which he historically has. I don't know what you trade. I think Morris is probably the answer there. But. I think you have the workings of an actual championship team, which is not something 
I thought I would have said coming into the season. I was like, they need to prove it to me. I always get suckered in by this team, but I think this team is the one that's actually going to do it for me. I I just love this team. I love the way they play. Um, Ubre again. I can't say it enough. Like Ubre might have been like the steal of the off season. Just getting him what he does and what he does well just complements his team perfectly. And with I I don't care that he's like a average defender. I, I'm not gonna say he's bad. <laughs> I don't think he's that great. But I, I'd give him like a C on defense, right? Why didn't the Pacers get that guy? Why didn't the um you know, why didn't a bunch of other teams get that guy? He was probably for the taking. And it, it, I'm very glad, by the way, that he came back from his accident. I should say that after getting hit by a bike or getting hit while he was on his bike. Excuse me. Um, I I'm very glad he came back healthy from that and is contributing again so quickly. This team. They added a bunch of wings to try and stop Boston. I think it's very clear who they view as the top dogs in the East. Um, I think Milwaukee's kind of a sleeping giant. <laughs> um, and like, if you want to look through their prism, I don't know. Milwaukee might be a more of a matchup problem for them, but we'll see. That's what the playoffs are for. It's going to be fun in the top three in the East. Um, at least more fun. Cause usually we just have Boston Milwaukee to look forward to this year. I'm looking forward to any combination of the three, which I have not said in years past, because usually I'm waiting for Philly to let me down. I'm not waiting for that this year. Um, I think that's it for me, folks. I don't think I have anything else for you on the Sixers. Um, I want. I, yeah, I, I don't really have anything else on them, but I just want to say uh, thank you so much for listening. Just a reminder, Suns and the Rockets. Um, no Knicks on the next pod, but make sure, um, you know, you keep an eye on OG if you have any um, complaints about the episode, just remember, send them to at Caleb Lynn one. And I want to thank you all so much for listening. Uh, sincere moment here. Um, again, I apologize if for the intermittent posting, I'm trying my best. But if you've been listening to this, I sincerely appreciate you. And thank you so much. Um, it really, truly means the world. And thank you so much. And I just want to thank you all so much for listening. 